Well, amen. You may be seated. And uh, let me first of all introduce myself. My name is Alan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the Island. And let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible, if you would, and find the book of James there in the New Testament, the book of James in chapter number three. Most of you know, if you've been around a while, that Kathy and I, for the last couple of years, we have been overjoyed and that we have a grandson. And in fact, on Mondays, Kathy keeps our grandson Maverick. And uh, generally on Monday morning, Mornings, I greet him at the door and I fix him breakfast. And then we have a little about an hour or two that we play together. And then uh, I'm about wore out at that point. And so I go to work and uh, then Kathy has him the rest of the day. Now, when Maverick shows up on Monday mornings, I already have his little breakfast ready and we feed him breakfast. I feed him breakfast. And then, um, and then he's ready to play. And so I'll take him into the room that we have for him. And uh, there's there's a couple of things that he gets every single Monday. Uh, he's going to, first of all, grow straight to his G.I. Joes. He has a couple of three G.I. Joes uh, that are actually his dad's G.I. Joes that he played with when he was a boy, and he'll grab those G.I. Joes. He'll grab a couple of books, and then he goes straight to this bag of blocks, and he hands it to me. He hands me this bag of blocks, and I'm supposed to carry it, and we take the G.I. Joes, and we take his blocks, and we go into the family room, and uh, he puts his G.I. Joes down, he puts his books down, and then he has me open the bag of blocks, and he pours out all 100 plus of these blocks all out on the floor. That's Monday after Monday, he just pours those things out, and uh, there's only probably about 90 of them in this bag, because many of them are just somehow still missing in action somewhere in our, our house, right? But he pours those blocks out, and we just have a great time. He'll, he'll build a fort or a castle for his G.I. Joes, and then, uh, and then again, about, about that time, I'm wore out, and I have to go to work to get some rest. And, uh, and Kathy keeps him the rest of the day. Well, this past Monday, we had him, and it was the same routine. We went to the room. He got his G.I. Joes. He got a couple of books for me to read to him, and then the blocks, and he poured them out on the floor. And uh, as he poured out all the blocks of all the different shapes and all the different sizes, they were all poured out all over the place, I really sat around and looked at these blocks as he began to put them together, and I thought about really this I thought about this teaching series. I thought about this series that we are in here at Church of Allen these Sunday nights and talking about relationships, those key relationships in our lives. And as I looked at all of those blocks that were kind of laid out that he starts putting together, I thought about in many ways this is like, this is like marriage. When a man and a woman come together and they're going to be married, they bring all their various pieces together to come together. And they're different sizes, different shapes. We all bring our different pieces because we have our own uh, habits, or our own hangups, our own personality quirks. We bring our pieces together. And really when a man and a woman, when they come together and begin that marriage, they really are just bringing their mess, right? They're just bringing their mess. And the hope is unto God that God will use his power. God will use what God can do and take these various pieces and put them together in building something beautiful. And we hope, in fact, there are some of you here tonight. Some of you have been married 10 years, maybe 20 years, 30 years, maybe some of you over 50 years, and that you can look back and see what God has done. God has built something beautiful. God has built a beautiful castle of love. 
Now, what happens is, is that we need God. We need God in his power and our wisdom to put these pieces together. Now, because I've been a pastor for over uh, about 30 years now, and uh, I do on Thursdays mainly marriage counseling. And so every single week, most of my Thursdays are filled, and much of what I do is marriage counseling. And what I've discovered is that people, when they've been married a very short time, Maybe it's just a week or two or a month or two, maybe even up to a year. Those young couples that get, to, get married, they think that the day they're married, they have a beautiful castle. And really what they have is just a bunch of pieces. They just have a mess. And the sooner they realize that really they are nothing but a bunch of mess and that has God to put the pieces together, the better off they are. The, the quicker you are just real and genuine and stop wearing masks and stop pretending and say, look, this is who I am. These are my habits. These are my hangups. This is how I am. Then God can be good to put those pieces together. Now, what happens is what we want is that we want God as we make wise decisions, wise action steps, one wise action step after another, God then builds this marriage, this relationship into a beautiful castle of love. Now, when we don't make good decisions, wise decisions, what we're doing is we're tearing down. We're taking the pieces away. And what happens is what I see every week is that when we use human wisdom, wisdom from man, we are tearing down and not building up. What is essential in building the marriage relationship is godly wisdom. God's wisdom and us making these wise action steps, one action at a time, one piece at a time, one block at a time. In fact, here's what I want you and I to do. I ask you to, to turn to James chapter 3. But I want, us to, uh, I want us to look at a couple of passages of Scripture and hopefully kind of understand this. And it may be that some of you have been married for many years and you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you may be newlyweds, maybe just a few years married. Maybe you're dating someone. Maybe you're engaged. Maybe you're new in that relationship. But what I'm going to show you tonight straight from the Word of God will help you and encourage you even if you're hoping and planning on being married. All right? Well, the first thing that I want us to do is I want us to stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. We do that here on Church of the Island, just recognizing that we may have pastors here, Pastor Allen, Pastor David, but the ultimate authority we have at Church of the Island is the Word of God, right? It doesn't really matter what Allen's opinion is or David's opinion. What does God say? It's his truth, amen? Well, before we look at this James chapter 3, I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24, verse 3 says, by wisdom, a house is built, right? So that's, that's how a house is built. That's how a family is built. That's how a marriage is built. The very foundation of that relationship must be wisdom. So if God says in his word that your home, your family, your marriage is to be built on wisdom, then the next natural question is for us, well, what, what are those wise steps or what are those wise actions we should take for God to build that home? 
Well, fortunately, we have it very clearly in James chapter 3, verse number 17. But the wisdom from above, there it is, is first, he's going to tell us what I believe to be our six characteristics, our six action steps. But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let me, in, let me invite you, if you would, is to take a pen or a pencil. I think there's some pens near you there on the seats. Take a pen, and if you feel comfortable, maybe writing in the margin of your Bible, or if you have a piece of paper, maybe even take one of those Connect cards. And what I want to show you for just the next few minutes that we have are these six characteristics. Think about them as six Six actions, wise actions that God can use to deepen and strengthen that key relationship in your life, all right? So here's the first. Think of it this way. If I am wise, if I am wise, number one, I won't lie. I won't lie. We see that, by the way, back in verse number 17, that very first thing, it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, most pure. The first of all, he's talking about purity. Let's say that I were to say to you tonight, I have, um, I have here a, um, a pure bottle of spring water, and I would like for you to take a drink of this 100% pure spring water. Now, 95% of it is spring water, 5% of it is sewage, right? But now I want you to drink of it because it's 95% pure spring water. Now you would just chuckle and you would laugh and you go, there's no way I'm drinking that because even though you say, Alan, it's 95% spring water, it's 5% sewage, that means it's contaminated, I'm not drinking it. Well, what we're talking about here is integrity. You would say this. For it to be pure, it has to be 100%, not 90%, not 95%, not 99%, but it must be 100% if it is pure. What we're talking about here, and the Bible uses the word integrity. The opposite of integrity is to compartmentalize. Now, generally, we are pretty good at compartmentalizing our lives. We do that. We're able to kind of make some separations and distinctions in our life so that we won't be distracted and so we can focus. But when it comes to sin in our life, we are not to compartmentalize. You see, I meet people every week. They say, Alan, I'm a faithful employee, I'm a good husband, I'm a good father, but over here on the side, I have this little habit. I have this little habit, I have this little addiction, but now, Alan, it doesn't really interfere with these other areas of my life because I'm able to do what? I'm able to compartmentalize. I'm able to separate that. Well, friend, that's not integrity. That's not integrity. That's not purity. That's not being truthful. 
So what God really desires for us is God wants to lower those walls so that he can bring wholeness and he can bring healing to every area of our life so that we can be a man or a woman of integrity. So it means this. Let me put it in very practical terms. When it comes to our marriage, when it comes to that person that we dearly love and we're committed to in our life, it means this. It means that we tell the truth and we live in the truth. Because without integrity, without truth, without truth, we don't have trust, right? Think about it. How can you trust someone if they don't tell the truth, if they don't speak the truth, if they don't live in the truth? How then can you have trust? And so I, I, would, um, I would just say to you that... Um, what happens in much of the counseling that I have is that uh, there is the husband or is the wife, and they are caught lying. And every time there's a lie, there is just a tearing down of that relationship. Why? Because when there is, the marriage is based on lies, there's no trust. And if there is no trust, there is no relationship. I mean, the very, listen, the reason why in this list that James gives us in these characteristics, the reason the very first one is purity, to be pure, to speak of truth, is because if you don't have truth, you don't have a relationship. Amen? Amen. So the question is, okay, there, there, is, there is a breakdown in this relationship. The husband, the wife, the man, the woman, they, 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 they haven't been telling the truth. So therefore, there was no trust. How, how is that rebuilt? How do you rebuild trust in a relationship when um, it's been broken down? By at every opportunity, telling the truth. At every opportunity, tell the truth. And over time, there can be the rebuilding. Now, by the way, not partial truths. Well, I told her part of the truth. Well, friend, all you did was tell a lie. You have not done anything to rebuild trust. So as we think about these wise actions that we're to take so that God can build this beautiful castle of love. Number one, if I'm wise, I won't lie. Number two, if I'm wise, I won't fight to win. I won't fight to win. Notice what he goes on to say there. Not just pure, but then what? Then peaceable. You ought to underline that word peaceable in your Bible. It means peace loving. It doesn't mean that you don't ever argue. It doesn't mean that there aren't any conflicts in your life. As a matter of fact, I would say this. If that marriage, if it's based on truth, guess what there's going to be? There's going to be conflict. There's going to be difficulty. Kathy and I, we've been married for 30 years. And, uh, and listen, we, we have arguments. We have conflict. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to fight. What it means is, is that you're not going to fight to win. Uh, what often happens is you get into an argument, and you're going to do everything you can to win that argument. Right? That's what you want to do. That's what generally, that's my nature. My nature is, is if there's going to be a conflict and we're going to disagree about something, I'm going to do everything I can to convince you that I'm right. And so in a marriage relationship, you're not fighting to win. You're fighting for a connection. 
You're fighting to go deeper. You're fighting to build the relationship. You are not fighting to win. Because I'm going to tell you what I see very often. I've seen very often in my marriage counseling that, yes, you can win the argument, but you've lost the relationship. Oh, man, I've, seen, I've had men and women very prideful how they proved that they were right, and they won the argument. But guess what they lost? They lost the marriage. They lost the relationship. They lost the friendship. It happens all the time. And so what we're fighting for is we're fighting for a connection. We're fighting for, for a deeper, more intimate relationship. We are not fighting to win. Now, how do we do that? Very practical. Tonight is just one of those very practical messages about relationships and especially those very key relationships in our life. So here's what I would say to you that Kathy and I have learned over our 30 years of how to fight when you're fighting, when there's a disagreement, when there's conflict, how to, how to go deeper, how to, how to not fight to win, but fight to connect. Here's what we decided several, probably three to five years into our marriage is that, this is the phrase we use, we have to stay at the table. Stay at the table. In other words, you can't take your toys and go home. You can't take your blocks and leave. So we have an agreement. Our agreement is when we have a disagreement, we have to stay at the table. We can't take our toys and leave. That We're going to stay at the table and we're going to work it out. We are, we are committed to working it out. Now what that means is it may get, it may get messy. It may get messy. It may get loud, but we're going to stay at the table. The other thing that we'll do is not only stay at the table, but number two, here's the thing we've also decided. We'll watch our words. Watch our words. There are many of us in this room tonight of a certain generation that we remember a phrase when we were very young. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never harm you. By the way, that's a lie. There's been many, many times in my life I wish somebody threw a brick at me as opposed to saying what they said to either hurt me or harm me or someone that I love. The truth of the matter is, is that words have great power and can cut deeply. As a matter of fact, you may want to write this down. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know this. If you've lived long enough, you know there is great power in words. In words. And so I would just give this recommendation, whether you've been married for years or maybe uh, dating or engaged or, or maybe newlyweds, I would say this. There are certain words that Kathy and I determined several years ago, many years ago, decades ago, more than 20 years ago, that were just off-limit words. They're just off-limits. For example, uh, comparing words. Comparing words are off-limits. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll witness this uh, every so often when I'm doing marriage counseling. Marriage, it, it'll get a little heated between a couple in my office. And um, one of them, this actually happened since I'm down here at Night at Cottage Hill. I can tell the story because there's no one in this room. Uh, but this is probably within about three weeks uh, of, uh, maybe within a month of, uh, of ago. I had a couple in my office, younger couple, and the man used a comparing comparing words. Here's what he said. They got a little heated in my office, and the man said this, I just wish you were more like my mother. 
That's exactly what I did. I was like, mmm, 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 mmm. In fact, what I did was I ducked and hid behind my desk. Because there was about to be a murder, amen, and I didn't want to get involved with that. So you, some of you have been around long enough and married long enough, you know exactly what I mean. Comparing words can be devastating, do so much damage. Not just comparing words, but condemning words. Condemning words. Words like this, you never, you always. We don't use these condemning words. They're, they're off limits in our house. I can't say, Kathy can't say, you never, you always. And the reason these are off limits is, number one, that's not true. That's not even a true statement. But they can do great, great damage, right? The words that attack. And what we're trying to do when Kathy and I are arguing or have a conflict is we start talking about feelings. Kathy will say, when you say this, when you do this, this is how it makes me feel. Not words like you always, you never. The other, the other category of words that are, that are off limits in our home, and when I do marriage counseling and premarital counseling, I recommend this, is um, threatening words. Threatening words are off limits. Threatening words are like this. Well, uh, here's a threatening word, the D word, divorce. That, that's a threatening word. Well, you know what? Then I'll just leave. Well, then we'll just, we'll just divorce. No, those are off limits because we made a commitment. We made a covenant unto God. And so we don't, those kinds of words are not allowed. And so th that's what it means to just uh, have wisdom, right? I mean, just committed to working it out. And so as we're thinking about what James is teaching here, these wise actions that we build on top of one another, if I'm wise... I won't lie, number one. Number two, I won't fight to win. Number three, I won't dismiss your feelings. I won't dismiss your feelings. Notice what he goes on to say there. Uh, he uses the word gentle there. You ought to underline that word gentle. That means literally mindful of others' feelings. Mindful of others' feelings. I have been very guilty of that on many occasions in my relationship with Kathy, is that Kathy would tell me how she feels, and here's what I'm thinking to myself. And I've actually said this. Well, you shouldn't feel that way. And here's the reason why you shouldn't feel this way. And I just lay my evidence out there of why I'm right and why she's wrong and why she shouldn't feel that way. Now, here's what it's taken me many years to figure out. It has absolutely nothing to do with, with being right or wrong. Feelings are feelings. Feelings are not right or wrong. Feelings are feelings. It's how you feel, and they're your feelings. Uh, tonight, uh, when we first started the service, I was a little warm, but there were probably others of you, you might be cool. Right now, I'm pretty comfortable, but some of you might be very cold. Uh, how you feel is how you feel. How you feel has nothing to do with what is right and what is wrong. In fact, some of the difficulty we get into is, is kind of putting our right or our wrong on someone else's feelings. Feelings are feelings. So when we communicate now, when Kathy and I have, have a, a conflict, Kathy will say, this is how I feel. And I get in trouble when I dismiss her feelings. Because really what we need to work through is how she feels and why she feels a certain way. 
It has nothing to do with right or wrong. By the way, let me just say this about, about right or wrong or truth. Uh, we live in a culture today and a society today that speaks a lot about uh, truth. And you, it, when someone says to me, well, this is my truth. When somebody says that to me, I want to punch them right in the throat when they say that. <laughs> Listen, there's no such thing as your truth or my truth. There is only God's truth, right? So there's not your truth and your truth and my truth. It's only God's truth. And there are times, sometimes you have to choose, by the way, against your feelings in order to follow God's truth, all right? And so what do I need to do? I, I won't dismiss your feelings, I won't dismiss your feelings. Next, I won't be stubborn. Notice what it says there, open to reason, right? First pure, then reasonable, gentle, then open to reason. Underline that phrase in your Bible. In the Greek, here's what it means, literally. It means not stubborn, but open to reason. Here's my question. Are you reasonable with your spouse? Do you get defensive or do you seek to grow and do you seek to change? Um, I do hear this very often in the, in the counseling ministry uh, at the church is that uh, a couple will come in, and especially if they've been married a few years, maybe over 10 years, uh, maybe it's 20 years, maybe it's 30 years, but uh, uh, here's, what, here's what we'll say. Well, pastor, she is not the woman that I married. And you know what I say? Duh! I, that's how good at counseling I am, by the way. They generally come one or two times, they don't come anymore. I, I, I've also been known to say this. You did what? I've also been known to say this. Tell me you didn't really say that to her. That's why I'm not a professional, Mary Jo. Of course she's not the same woman you married. Of course he's not the same man. People are dynamic. People change. Relationships are dynamic. Relationships change. People grow. People evolve. People change. There's different seasons. When, when you guys got married before the little one came along, there's this one season. But then things change and there's a different dynamic when you have little toddlers running around. Uh, when you have teenagers, it's very different. That's a different season. Kathy and I are in a very different season now because our youngest son has, has moved out. He has a job, praise God. He has his own place. He pays his own bills, praise, praise the Lord. So there's a new season in our relationship and then we're kind of empty nesters and we're, we're trying to work through that. Uh, but often what that requires, in fact, what it requires for every relationship is for people to change, for, for you to change together and grow together. But the truth is, as people, we are afraid of change. We're fearful of change. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So the question is, listen, in order to love others, you have to risk changing. You have to risk changing. 
And sometimes that's why uh, counseling is important, is for someone, maybe a counselor or a mediator, to help you work through the changes that are needed and required for that relationship to grow deeper and stronger. All right, next, number five, I won't hold on to hurts. I won't hold on to hurts. Notice what he goes on to say there, verse 17, uh, full of mercy and good fruits. Full of mercy and good fruits. Underline, if you would, that word mercy. Uh, we talk a lot here at Church of the Island about mercy and about grace. Uh, now, the question that you may have, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between God's mercy and God's grace? Okay, let, let me very quickly explain the difference between the two. Mercy, God's mercy, is when God doesn't give you what you deserve. That's mercy, right? What do you and I deserve? We deserve death, hell, judgment. That's what we deserve. When God doesn't give us what we deserve, that's mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve, right? He gives you beyond what you could ever imagine what you could ever deserve. In a thousand lifetimes, God gives you that. And that's grace. In a marriage, what we need to do in wisdom and with God's power and God's help is we have to extend mercy and grace. What, what are we talking about here? We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness. Um, that's hard. That's difficult to offer that. As a matter of fact, I would say this to you. Uh, why, by the way, why? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Here's the reason why I need to extend in this relationship. I need to extend mercy after mercy, grace after grace, forgiveness after forgiveness. The reason I do it, watch this, so a root of bitterness doesn't build and grow in me. I don't, I don't want bitterness to take hold in me because bitterness, when it takes hold and it begins to grow, it begins to do what? It becomes a poison and it begins to break down the marriage and the relationship. Let me also say this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not natural. Forgiveness is not to, to extend grace, to extend mercy. That's not a natural thing. The natural thing for us to do when there's conflict and we've been hurt, the natural thing for us is to get mad. The natural thing is to be angry, to get mad, to try to get even. That's what's natural. Forgiveness is not natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. To choose to forgive is a supernatural thing. Therefore, we need God's help to do it. We need God's power to do it. And then last, I won't hide my struggles. I won't hide my struggles. He finishes verse 17 with saying impartial and sincere. You ought to underline that word sincere. It's a very interesting word. Uh, in fact, the Greek word is unhypocritos. Uh, it's where we get our word hypocrite or hypocritical. It means the opposite of. Uh, it's a word that back in the first century when actors would portray roles or characters, they would use masks. 
And oftentimes, one person would assume several different roles. And they would take one role and they would lift a mask and they would play that part. Then they would lower it and they would put on another mask and they would play that role. Then they would put on another mask and play that role. And so what James is saying here is that in that marriage relationship, you need to be real, you need to be genuine, and you have to lower those masks. You have to put all those masks aside. So if you're going to have a healthy, happy, holy marriage, you've got to be real. You have to be genuine and you can't be wearing masks. You can't be one way here and one way there and one way there. So often I'll have a wife come in and she'll say, I just wish he treated me like he treated everybody else. Or he's one way here and then he's another way at home. Or when we're out together, he's one way, but then we're home alone, he's another way. To be genuine, to be real. Um. I think it's very, I think that's, I think that, I'll tell you what I think. I think in our culture today, and I think our society today, I think that is increasingly more and more difficult. Because we live in a world, and we live in a culture, and we live in a society today that is, watch this, fake. Absolutely fake. I looked up the word fake in the dictionary. Do you know what it said? Instagram. I used to, uh, every day I'd scroll a little Instagram, look at it. I, I, maybe, maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, I'd look at Instagram. I just don't mess with it because it's just so fake. <laughs> so here's what I'll do. It'll be like tonight. You know, I'm preaching. I'm, I'm looking at you, and I see you. And I, I do that three times on Sunday, three different locations, often. And, uh, and so uh, then, then like on Wednesday or Thursday, every once in a while, I'll scroll on Instagram, and I'll, I'll see some photos or something. And, and, I, and I'll just say this. You don't look like that. I just saw you Sunday. You don't look like that. You've been laying those filters on there. Put some kind of Photoshop on there. And I'm like, you don't look like that. Fake. And, and, and here's what the, they'll come in for counseling. Fighting like cats and dogs. I'm hiding behind my desk. And two days later, there's a photo on Instagram about this perfect, wonderful marriage they have. I'm like, you are so fake. You almost killed him in my office. <laughs> fake. We live in a fake world. Social media doesn't help at all. You want a healthy, happy, holy marriage? Be real. Be genuine. Just take the mask off. You want God to bring healing in that relationship? Be real. Just take the mask off and say, God, here I am. Here I am. All these weird, broken pieces. But this is me. And I need you to bring healing. And I need you to take these, these habits and these hang-ups and all of this history here, and I just, God, I need you to take these pieces and with your power begin putting them together and build something beautiful. But I'll be real and genuine. And I'll speak the truth and I'll live in the truth. And I'll tell you what God will do. He'll build something beautiful. Because that's what God can do. Amen. Let me pray for us. Would you bow your head for just a moment? 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come and, and lead us in a time of worship. And I'm going to ask Pastor David to, to come and Pastor Jared. And there, there may be a couple here tonight. And if you feel comfortable enough, maybe let uh, Pastor David pray for you. I mean, we, we really do consider ourselves a, a family here at Church of the Island. And love to pray for you, love to encourage you. If, if you don't feel comfortable doing that in this time of worship in a moment, hey, before you leave tonight, before we make our way to the baptism, why don't you just step aside and, and listen, uh, Pastor David and his wife Ashley, dear friends of mine, dear friends of mine, and listen, they're prayer warriors, and they would love to pray for you, pray for your relationship, pray for your marriage. They'd love to do that. Pastor David told the story of this morning at Cottage Hill, our Westmobile campus, and I preached the same message, and, and I talked about beginning the journey of faith. I said, there may be someone here that just needs to begin the journey of faith, and so don't leave without letting us help you begin that journey. And that young man, he, he came forward, and he knelt at the altar, and he... Uh, bowed his head and opened his heart and trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. We had already celebrated baptism, and so uh, he asked me after the service, he said, can I be baptized right now? There's water. Can I be baptized right now? And I said, absolutely, man. Caden, absolutely. He trusted Christ, began a new, a new, a new journey in faith. Gosh, we'd love to help you do that. Pastor Jared's going to be here, Pastor David. It may be just some husbands and wives. Maybe just, hey, uh, why don't you just reach over and grab your wife by the hand and your girlfriend, fiance. And maybe just in this next moment. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to ask our band to just lead us in a song called The Blessing. And I'm going to pray that it would be a blessing over you and that key relationship in your life. Let's stand together. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next moments, I pray a blessing. Every family represented here, every marriage. Now, Lord, there may be those in this room that are single, but their heart's desire is to, is to be married, to have a, a life partner that God you arrange and you build. And Lord, I pray that for them. I pray that you would give them the desires of their heart as they delight themselves after you. So Lord, in these moments, as couples cry out to you, as they seek you, as Lord, those may be willing to just begin the journey of faith, I pray blessings, Lord. Bless these times. Bless these moments. In Jesus' name.